0: Hey everyone, this is Dave Cruz from Flyover Labs, a podcast on business and innovation in the Midwest and beyond. Here you'll meet fascinating people and learn about new technologies and practices that will change how you look at life and business. Enjoy! Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyover Labs, and this podcast is part of our new series on all things blockchain called Flyover Block. And today we get to talk to Mike Kramke, a CEO and co-founder of Steam Chain. And SteamChain enables original equipment manufacturers, OEMs, to offer uses-based financing to their customers. And what does that mean exactly? We'll, of course, find out. And SteamChain will also enable lots of other things that we'll talk about. And we'll also find out why Mike is ideally suited for this focus with blockchain and OEMs. So, Mike, thanks for joining us today.
1: Yeah, my pleasure, Dave. Thanks for having us on.
0: Definitely. And uh, so I'd love to hear about your background. But first, let's just dive in and can you tell us a little bit more about Steam Chain? Yeah, on?
1: absolutely. You know, Steam Chain is a, uh, it's a software platform uh, that enables manufacturers of industrial machinery uh, to change the business models uh, from the traditional project-based approach to selling a capital asset. Uh, it allows uh, OEMs to uh, sell their machinery based on its productivity, uh, fundamentally, um, and we think it unlocks a lot of potential uh, in the future for how people deploy advanced manufacturing technology.
0: And can you give an example, like a practical example, like somebody sells, you know, this piece of equipment, and uh, how how it kind of works right now, and then yeah. how it's going to work with a steam chain. Yeah,
1: certainly. Um, you know, and, and I'll start with the status quo. You know, when, when you're in the market to buy an advanced piece of industrial automated equipment, uh, it's, it's not as simple and straightforward as going down to the local car dealership and buying a Ford F-150. Um, it, it's really a multi-step process, uh, where specifications are developed around the performance and uptime, uh, and throughput of that piece of equipment. Uh, The the customer that's buying that machine checks in on it frequently and and, uh, pays on a milestone-based program as that machine gets closer and closer to completion. Uh, Ultimately, the final payment occurs after it's in your factory. You get a couple of weeks to test it out and see if it meets your expectation. And at that point, the final payment is due. Um, And and you're the proud owner of a relatively custom-built industrial asset that needs to last you the next 15 years. Uh, and if you run into problems with those things, uh, there's not a lot of recourse today uh, because it's not really based on the performance of the asset. There's no way to monitor it over time. Uh, the OEMs aren't uh, aren't really offering those kinds of uh, support services on the back end because it's fairly complex. And that's, that's what we hope to solve with SteamChain. So if you if and it's, it's really a broad bucket, there's a lot of ways we do that. But if you boil it down to its simplest articulation, of course, uh, when we simplify it to this degree, we don't we don't actually propose that this is the way it's going to be uh, consumed in the early stages. But uh, the idea that it looks more like the office printer market, where instead of buying the printers nowadays, people are contracting for the use of that asset that exists in their facility. Um, we believe that through the use of our technology and, and the products that we've developed, um, that kind of business model uh, can be equally, if not more, effective in the manufacturing context, allowing end users, manufacturers, uh, you know, operators of this kind of industrial equipment, to pay for that equipment based on its productivity, uh, as opposed to investing in a large capital asset uh, that, uh, that that that. That you know that they need to uh, uh, that, that they take significant risk on um, it underperforming or not being serviced correctly or uh, needing to upgrade over time. Uh, we believe a more turnkey approach to that, where the OEM actually participates in um, managing the performance of that asset over its life cycle, is a positive improvement for both the OEM and for the end user. Steam Chain technology enables them to work together in that manner.
0: Okay. And is anybody, or are many manufacturers often usage-based financing um, right now?
1: So, you know, there are pockets of it. Okay. There are pockets of it. And certainly there's a general eagerness and an understanding of the value that this creates on, on all sides of the equation. Um, but today, uh, they don't have great tools to do that. Um, they generally, uh, where you do see it, you see it as proprietary systems. Um, you know, where where an OEM and, a, and an end user, you know, put together some kind of home baked solution uh, to to implement it. Of course, with the with the world's largest OEMs, uh, especially you know, a great story is uh, General Electric and the Power by Hour system that they have for aircraft engine leasing. That, in a big sense, is a is a large uh, proprietary system that does things that are very similar to what we're talking about with Steam Chain. Uh, Our differentiator is, uh, of course, that we're in an open system that allows any OEM to deploy this kind of capability in these types of business models without having to invest in developing and then eventually supporting proprietary systems. We also believe that from an end user's perspective, it's not as simple as, you know, power by hour for aircraft engines where you only have one vendor or office printers, where you only have one vendor in your facility, right? In a manufacturing environment, you might have 37 different manufacturers of machinery. The market would not appreciate, does not want 37 different versions of a software platform to manage that. They want one. And so we think the the opportunity space is really to create uh, the de facto standard uh, upon which all OEMs can quickly and easily deploy these kinds of advanced business models by, you know, using the data from the machine to offer these kind of, uh, you know, pay for yeah. performance uh, type of solutions.
0: And, and just for the audience an OEM or original equipment manufacturer, like an example would be in a, let me know from wrong, yeah. like GE, like Rockwell, who would be yeah. some others, just so people get a so, feel for who we're talking about. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's actually, it's actually more, more, Uh, it's a little bit deeper than that. Uh, You know, Rockwell automation provides uh, a a lot of the technology that OEMs, and I'm going to interchange OEMs and machine builders uh, that OEMs or machine builders use to build the equipment that then goes to an end user who actually uses that equipment to produce goods uh, products. So uh, as a, as an easy example that, you know, maybe your viewers uh, or listeners would appreciate Uh, when a beverage company, uh, a microbrewery, for instance, uh, needs to increase their production, they buy canning equipment. Rockwell Automation doesn't sell canning equipment, but on that canning equipment, there's an enormous amount of technology, um, that includes the programmable logic controllers, the servo robotic systems and all the other, uh, computerized electronic, uh, kit that goes into making that a high performing, piece of uh, piece of equipment. And so uh, what we do is we use the data from those control architectures, right? Uh, and we, we make that data uh, visible and transparent and objective and immutable to parties, both at the end user, but also at the OEM, also potentially at the financial institutions that are backing those assets. Uh, and we boil that into these standard modules uh that allow them to deliver uh you know deliver this machine under new and compelling uh terms uh that include kind of turnkey support uh allow them to turn on and off features uh provide warranty not just that the thing won't break but that it will produce at a certain level of course usage based financing uh where where they're actually paying for the machine yeah. Production as opposed to the physical asset operationalizing the expenses.
0: So, what would be uh, some examples of OEMs, some names that people might be familiar with?
1: It's it's actually a, that that's an interesting question, um, and I'm not sure uh, I'm not sure there are many that uh, your average consumer would would recognize. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, as an example, uh, you know one of the largest OEMs in the world, original equipment manufacturers is a company by the name of Tetra Pak. And and for for your listeners if you ever buy uh stock uh in uh, uh soup stock if you will uh at the grocery store, <laughs> right? Uh those cardboard boxes with the screw-off tops, turn those over and there's an 85% chance that on the bottom <laughs> of that carton that it'll say Tetra Pak. Uh, you know, wine in a box is the same way. That format, uh, is, is, was delivered to the world. Uh, the whole technology behind how that gets packaged was delivered uh, to the world by a a Swedish company called Tetra Pak. Um, who is, it's, I think it's a $20 billion, uh, global corporation, but it's not, it's not a, it's not a name that, uh, your average consumer, uh, immediately recognizes. Mm Um, and, and there's a whole host of these types of companies. If you look at all the packaging at the grocery store, uh, at the gas station, uh, all that stuff comes off of high speed, advanced, highly automated machinery built all over the world. Uh, it just so happens that in the Midwest, there's a tremendous number of these companies, uh, both up in Green Bay, up and down the, the Fox River Valley into uh, northern Illinois and the Chicago area is a, is a global center of excellence. It was kind of a,
0: Gotcha. Okay, and and can you kind of walk us through? And this is kind of a combination of two questions, but walk us through like how uh, you know somebody would use Steam Chain in their you know manufacturing environment, um, and, and how the blockchain kind of plays a role with that and why it's a, it's important.
1: Yeah. So. Uh, so let's. Uh, I'll try and keep it as brief as possible. <laughs> okay. But let's. let, let I, I, I can get a little bit wordy, so you cut me off. But <laughs> uh, but but let's envision for a moment that uh, that uh, you're a microbrewery, and you know you started off as a brew pub, and you built your business, and and eventually you, you know you started to uh, fill kegs, and you realize that the market's only big so big for kegs. Uh, and, and so now you're hand canning or hand bottling, uh, which is the kind of the next step for the evolution of your business, but ultimately to achieve any kind of significant scale, you need to invest in canning machinery. Now you're a brewing expert and you've built this wonderful business, but you don't necessarily have a lot of experience buying industrial equipment. And when you start buying canning lines, uh, things get pretty expensive, pretty quick and they become you know, uh, pretty sophisticated pieces of equipment to run those at scale, at, at high volume production. Um, and so, in today's world, you would go out and, you know, specify what kind of throughput you're looking for, what kind of format you need to run. Hey, I, I want to bottle, you know, 12 ounce or can 12 ounce cans. I want to do that at uh, 200 uh, uh, cans an hour uh, or, or 2,000 cans an hour, maybe more realistically um et cetera et cetera it needs to fit in this square footage it needs to do this that and the other thing ultimately it needs to put it into a box or to you know somehow package it to do the secondary packaging it needs to palletize it um so it's ready for shipment at the end of my factory right um that that's that's a that's a costly set of equipment and let's let's pretend that uh all in it's a million dollar investment uh, for you guys, uh, the next thing you're going to need to do is figure out how you're going to finance that. So you may have to go talk to banks. Uh, this would be a separate uh, agreement from the one with your OEM. You get the financial backing, you sign the contract, they begin to build your machine. Uh, and then they deliver. And and they're going to hand it over to you and say, here's your machine. It's good. Um, and And if you have trouble operating that machine, I'm sure they're going to be willing to come back in and help. Uh, but they're going to charge you for that. Um, you know, the reasons it may not be operating well, it may be that the machine's not very good or wasn't well done. It may be that uh, uh, your, your operators don't have the right experience and they're doing things wrong. It may be some other pieces of equipment in your production line. Um, all of that gets very subjective uh, and, and, and very risky very quickly, especially for somebody with limited experience operating this kind of equipment. Um, so at that point, you're you're constantly negotiating and, and really fighting with the people that supplied the equipment about who needs to pay when things don't work as 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 you envisioned. Um, and so that that's today's status and people that are good at that, uh, you know they've built their their businesses around that and, and, and it takes a lot of time and energy. I spent 17 years at Rockwell Automation and, and I saw this story play out hundreds of times. It's very common. And often, uh, I always joke the only thing those two parties can agree upon is that it's all the 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 uh, it's all Rockwell automation's fault in my <laughs> old job. And, and we we get pulled in to kind of adjudicate from a technical uh, perspective about okay, what is actually going wrong here now if if we take that as the status quo, when you start thinking about using the data from the machinery, the objective performance data, service data, uh, from that piece of equipment and using that to actually align the interests of the OEM and the end user so that as that machine produces, the OEM's financial success uh, is improved. As it produces, of course, the end user's financial success is so, improved. So it could, be like, uh,
0: could, it could be like number of cans produced or something. That'd be the simple one, right, of course, is but something like that. Yeah.
1: yeah. I told you I was very wordy, but that's a yeah. better answer.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they,
1: they pay based on number of cans produced. Yeah. But what it really does is it aligns the interests of those parties. It allows you to yeah. structure deals so that everybody is rewarded when the right things happen. So instead of a zero-sum game, if things aren't working, somebody has to pay for it. And we we're going to argue about whether that's covered under the, you know the purchase agreement. Uh, we're now working together because if it's not producing at the right rates, um, we're all losing money.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and so and why do you need a uh, the blockchain, or what's the idea behind? Using yeah,
1: that? yeah. You know, I go back to this uh, this subject of the the world doesn't want twenty seven different versions of
0: this. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: Right. They, they don't want each manufacturer to monitor the data on their machine in their way, uh, collect that data back at the OEM's headquarters and then send out what, an Excel spreadsheet with an invoice. Um, there's there's too many gaps in that, especially when you've got multiple different companies doing that at the same time. Um, you know, we really intend to disrupt how machines are paid for, not just not just in concept, but but in actual practice. Uh, how, how those transactions are handled. If you, if you think about it, you know, the idea that you pay per can back to our example is, it's a pretty easy articulation of the concept. But in point of fact, as soon as you scratch the surface on that, you're going to realize that, um, you don't just need to pay per can. You might need to pay a monthly fee based on access to the machine. You might need to pay for service that's required. You might need to pay for the Availability of the uptime, uh, so hey, that that that, it, that the machine isn't broken down, or that it's that's highly available. There's all sorts of different variables that could play a role. The reason this is important is because as you add those those critical dimensions, right, the the bureaucratic cost of executing those programs goes up substantially, okay. right? In in a in a traditional sense. Now, if you think about it as software, right. Uh, you realize that you can you can do a tremendous amount of sophisticated things when you're monitoring that data directly and automating the process of those transactions getting completed, all the way to the point of the ACH uh, distributions on the on the banking side, and that's what Steam Chain really is fundamentally. Uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but the Steam in Steam Chain is actually and it's 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 actually an acronym, um, and it stands for secure transaction engine for automated machinery wow, uh, <laughs> and 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 that's and that's the that's the real value proposition because you can begin to scale this these concepts build extremely sophisticated uh, agreements that really get to the to the motivations of the parties in a way that adds little to no bureaucratic cost to your organization
0: what's the advantage of using the blockchain over? let's just say a a database that everyone could access
1: yeah, so this is a great question I get asked it often yeah. and, you know when we when we first started you know de- designing the the architecture for our solution, we considered that very strongly. Um, and and we, we we came to the conclusion that instead of building a proprietary database that we need to manage and update and, and ensure that everybody has confidence in and that everybody has the right access to now and in the future, uh, we, we came to realize that there's already a utility that provides all those critical aspects that we can leverage as a utility as opposed to having to develop and maintain ourselves over over time. Um, and, and so we chose uh, blockchain technology, uh, specifically in the early stages we're using uh, uh, Ethereum, uh, to act as that utility, uh, that, that database that gives everybody tremendous confidence that the data that goes in on the data set said it goes in hasn't changed, is, is accurate, accurately reflects it. And through the deployment of smart contracts we can really automate the process and make sure everybody has visibility to the actual code that is distributing the funds, which we think is is, is super critical as well and a really nice advantage of of our architecture. Uh because, you know, of course, uh, if if everybody's just getting checks and they don't know how to back calculate it, they can't they don't have visibility to that, even if it's right, there are confidence and their their interest in auditing that uh would would be problematic to this type of solution
0: makes sense and and yeah no, that makes sense and so what uh you know what type of information are you gonna put on the blockchain or you know ethereum's blockchain because or um when it, it would i imagine it would take quite a bit of money to put like tons of transactions on there um right. so how do you know what to put on and what not to put on and
1: yeah so so that's some of the secret sauce that okay. uh at steam chain <laughs> but uh uh, but but in a nutshell, right? What what we do is create a fingerprint of uh, of of that machine um, on a periodic basis, uh, and by storing that fingerprint, we can guarantee that the the, the data is is not corrupted, uh, and we can we can make that data available uh, to to anybody, and we can use that fingerprint to actually execute uh, the the uh, the contracts. Gotcha. Okay
0: makes sense and all right so let's uh we're almost done but let's talk a little bit more about, like the business and the team and and so you, sure. you mentioned briefly that your background you had 17 years at rockwell in a, a number of different positions which makes you quite well suited for this um yeah i don't know if there's anything else to add there or i'd be curious who else is on your team right yeah. now
1: yeah yeah so we're always of course we're, we're always excited about talking about our team we think we've got a great <laughs> set of individuals um so you know myself of course i came from rockwell automation i spent 17 years there i've i've, I've done most jobs that they have at that uh, that corporation uh uh from you know kind of the front end field service working on this kind of equipment uh to running businesses for them uh specifically in the area of uh, advanced robotics and servo mechanisms so uh, so, so I've got a, an interesting career, uh, but one of the, uh, you know, my co-founder, uh, Tom Titchy also comes from Rockwell automation. We teamed up there years ago, probably about eight years back on a, on a major, uh, cloud-based software development. Uh, and I'll, 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 uh, I'll promote for Rockwell a little bit here. If you, if you <laughs> haven't seen motion analyzer, uh, I encourage people in that industry to go take a look, but, uh, uh, we built a cloud-based version of a circle motor, uh, kind of robotic sizing and selection tool. Um, and, and during that process, we actually engaged a software developer, a contract software, software development firm out of Minnesota called The Nerdery. Uh, and so uh, we, we spent uh, some time working on that. We launched that uh, years ago. It, it continues to grow and improve. Um, and that's where Tom and I first met. And so it was, uh, we've always had a great partnership and a great working relationship with him being on the technical side, being on the business side. Uh, and, and we were fortunate enough that one of the individuals that, uh, that, that was actually working as a lead developer at the Nerdry uh, motion analyzer that we met years ago also, uh, also joined Steamchain uh, in the early stages and is on board with us as a co-founder uh, helping us to develop this technology. Uh, so, and we've got a, a host of other, uh, uh, folks, uh, uh, you know, on the marketing, uh, and kind of customer support arena, as well as, uh, uh, some people working on, uh, other software development areas, that's some blockchain experts that are engaged with the organization as well. So we're, we're, we're slowly building a real high quality staff, uh, around that. And, uh, uh, we recently uh, we recently got a new advisor. Uh, who I'm really excited about because this is actually you're breaking some news here, Dave. <laughs> uh, no, no, nobody knows this, but uh, uh, Christopher Zai, uh, former uh, Vice President of Rockwell Automation Global and uh, in Industry Sales, uh, has joined the Steam Chain uh, team. Cool. Uh, to, uh, to in an advisor capacity, uh, and so we're really looking forward to uh, to working with Christopher. Christopher and I go way back. Uh, he, he's uh, an incredible guy, a real thought leader around technology in the manufacturing space, with with unbelievable global relationships with all the world's biggest uh, OEMs and uh, and industry experts.
0: Nice. And what's your uh, current status as far as your product and rolling it out? Yeah. And, yeah
1: also uh breaking some news here today uh dave so uh you know we are we're, we're at, we've got our uh, mvp completed and oh, we've got a, a, a demo set to go and and actually after this phone call today uh we are uh hitting the road uh myself and tom and uh jared Schwartz, who's our our uh, lead developer and uh, uh we're all getting in the vehicle and we're gonna we're gonna make a little a midwestern swing through uh, Michigan and Ohio and Illinois and back to Wisconsin uh, we've got a number of uh, meetings set up uh, to begin to introduce this and get direct feedback from our customers
0: oh cool nice and and is that you know I was gonna ask we're almost done here but what you know, your your main challenges I imagine is just uh you know this is kind of a, a new idea so just convincing some uh initial yeah. clients to get on board is that what some of your main challenges or what else is there?
1: Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with, uh, with your experience in the startup world, but, uh, you know, we, we have, we have a million challenges, right. And, <laughs> yes. uh, and, and every, every day those challenges change. And, uh, and of course we're, we're loving it. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun. We're, we're really uh, building something here. Um, you know, and, and it's just kind of keeping everything spinning all at one time and making sure we continue to gain traction and more momentum. So we're, 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 we're all about uh, moving the ball
0: uh, one step forward, one step at a time. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Like uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And uh, all right. And last question is what do you like to do in your free time? Um probably don't have as <laughs> much, but if you had free time, what do you like, what do you like to do?
1: Yeah, you know, the the thing for me is, uh, I, I, uh, kind of as part of my upbringing, I grew up around, uh, the construction industry. And so in my free time, I kind of go back to what I used to do when I was a younger man, when I was actually working. Uh, so when I have free time, I, I tend to do home improvement projects. I tend to work around the yard. Uh, my, my fiance and I just, uh, uh, just moved into a new home, uh, and so there's uh, there's, well, there's lots of opportunities for us to spend our time on that. Uh, and I feel like I'm forever behind, but, uh, <laughs> but but I enjoy doing that kind of thing. It really, uh, you know, working with my hands kind of takes my mind off of uh, you, you know my day job, so to speak, uh, which is you know more more sitting in front of a computer and, and you know being on telephone calls, uh, interfacing, interacting with people, kind of a, the solidarity of uh, just, uh, you, you know, working on something right in front of me with my hands uh, for me. Uh, that uh, That's
0: kind of cathartic. Yeah, that sounds healthy. Nice, healthy compliment. And that, is there one project that you're especially wanting to deal with your house? Or, oh, oh, uh,
1: there, what, there's a million. <laughs> so yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, <laughs> you're, now I'm going to really start yes, um, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So we've got, uh, you know, we've, we've, we, we, we just moved into a new place. We actually moved from the city where I've lived for, for many years. Uh, the city of Milwaukee that is downtown. I, I had a house that I remodeled the kitchen and the bathrooms and all that good oh, wow. stuff. And, and we've, We've gone completely the other direction that we bought a, a property in the country, uh, with some acreage and, uh, uh, we, we've got, uh, I, I'm considering this spring putting in an outbuilding, uh, to house all of my tools, uh, and, and put in a little woodworking shop. Uh, so I'm speccing that out, uh, but, uh, probably the first one up, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be taking out a, a fireplace. And rebuilding it, relocating it, putting in uh, new hardwood flooring, combining a couple of rooms, tearing out some walls—so uh, nothing major, uh, just a little bit of remodeling. I, I
0: would never <laughs> get close to something like that. You know, I can paint, so <laughs> <laughs> like that's yeah. that's something. Oh, well, hey, really come close. come on come on over. We always need painters. <laughs> I probably I'd probably learn a lot. That's one thing <laughs> you do not want me get involved with. But um, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. All right. Well. That's a good way to, I think, end the podcast. And, uh, yeah, Mike, really appreciate it. I love what you guys are doing and, uh, you know, you, that you're using the blockchain to make it more transparent. And, yeah, I'd love to see how you how you scale it up and how it all works. So um,
1: be yeah, well, we, see how you guys. We do. look forward to staying in touch. We really appreciate the opportunity to come on your
0: show and speak with you today. Definitely. All right, and thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Flyover Block. And, uh, as always, I appreciate it. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Mike.